Hello, everyone. I believe I am live now here on YesShift. So let me just go to the page and see that I sound fine, because sometimes you can never know with these things. Um, I'm going to unmute the video on my end, and you might hear a bit of an echo of my voice or something, but let me see how it sounds. Okay. So, yeah, it sounds like I'm audible. So, uh, hello, everyone. I'm Steven Schinder, uh, part of the YesShift team. Those of you who tune in know that my dad, Dan Schinder, is also part of this. We're a father-son podcast about Yes, Yes-related stuff. It's members past and present and some other prog artists. Uh, due to scheduling, my dad uh, has to, like, take care of some stuff, but... We talked about this ahead of time and figured that I could go live and do this news episode because there's just so much going on, so much that needs to be talked about, and now's a good time to talk about it. Now, on my setup, I don't have all the capabilities of showing graphics and whatnot, uh, dropping in like videos and music and stuff, so... It's a bit more basic the way my setup is, but I'll still try to make this an interesting uh, overview of all the news that has happened. And it would be a major help if those of you tuning in could share this into Facebook groups just so it's easier for me to focus on the broadcast. So with all that being said... Uh, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, this is going to be focusing on... There are a few big points, right? So yesterday, August 3rd, was the 55th anniversary of the first Yes gig. And so I'll be talking a little bit about that and also talking about this new magazine that I found at the store recently called The Complete Story of Yes and give my thoughts on that. I'll also be talking about Dylan Howe's birthday, highlighting a couple of things he's performed on in the past. For this, I've chosen uh, his first Dylan Howe quintet album, and as well as uh, Steve Howe's The Grand Scheme of Things, which not only Dylan, but also Virgil performed on. And we also got a couple new singles today, something from Trevor Rabin titled Big Mistake, and something from DBA titled Keep On Moving. So very exciting stuff right there. And also some miscellaneous things. And the big thing that'll be at the end will be a recap of the John Wetton and Extraordinary Life tribute concert. So if you haven't seen the concert, uh, you can tune out before I talk about that toward the end of this, after I've talked about like everything else. Uh, the way I watched it was via stream. I went to tradingboundaries.com slash concert, got a ticket. And they said it would still be available 70, for 72 hours afterward. So it was it was an interesting stream. It was about six hours long, I believe. So yeah, let's just get going right now. So 55 years of yes. If you go to Forgotten Yesterdays, you'll see that August 3rd, 1968, they performed at East Mercy Youth Camp, I believe it was. And it was a Wilson Pickett tune titled In the Midnight Hour. Those of you who 
um, may have seen the Yes Years documentary. I believe either in that or on John Anderson's website, he John said we performed in the midnight hour for an hour, but perhaps exaggerating. Another way I've heard it is that it was like 10 minutes long, which feels on brand for Yes covers at that time. Unfortunately, no recording of that exists, at least that any of us know of. Uh, so I'm not sure how it may have sounded, but it's interesting to think of the journey of Yes, you know, starting off with that gig where they did a cover of a tune and they did covers on their first couple albums and then eventually cemented their identity and so many lineup changes later, Yes are still around. Uh, oh, I see a comment from Dave Watkinson. Hi, the show last night was fantastic. So many Yes guys, King Crimson and more. Yeah, Dave, uh, the show looked fantastic. It was like the music sounded great. It was amazing, all the people that they got there. So I'll be talking about that toward the end. Um, and if you see me on my phone, it'll be me trying to share this around since it's easier for me to do that on my phone than on my laptop. Right, so 55 years of yes, it's just amazing. It's astonishing. Um and I would be amazed if, like, there was a recording of that first performance, which I highly doubt there's, like, a 99.99% chance that there isn't. But you never know with all the strange things that pop up. But I I'm not holding my breath. But point is, so many gigs and still Yes Music being played today. Now, with that being said, I'm sure all of you have probably heard the news of the last couple weeks of the U.S. tour uh, that have been announced for Yes. So you could go to yesworld.com slash live uh, and you'll see the dates there. And we've talked about this when this tour title was announced a few months ago. I think this was when my dad and I did the mirror to the sky review episode on our 100th episode so the u.s tour dates are going from 21st of september 2023 oh that's my dog elias's birthday funny enough um can you guess who elias is named after <laughs> yeah he's just like taking a nap over there on the side uh so yeah that starts in bethlehem pennsylvania on september 21st and ends on November 4th, 2023 in Riverside, California. So just a couple days before my birthday. I'm going to see if I can go to the Los Angeles show. Uh, that's on October 30th. Um, and we've talked about uh, like our expectations for the set list and our thoughts on the tour title. You can go back to our 100th episode to hear all that. Uh, oh, Adam Sears from Lobate Scarp chimed in. Nice shirt. I have the same one. Yeah, it's my Row Affair uh, tour shirt with the Yes logo. You've got Asia, John Lodge, Carl Palmer's ELP Legacy. So, yeah, I figured it was appropriate for this episode. I don't know if my mic's getting in the way of it, but I mean, y'all have seen the shirt before. You know what it says. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little distracted by that. Um,. Dave Watkinson says there hasn't been anything for the first Yes gig. A picture of the venue in the book Perpetual Change. The first proper gig was at the Marquee, and they played there many times. Okay, yeah. Um, I've also seen August 4th misattributed as the date of that 
first gig and it's august 4th now so go figure but yeah the yes us tour dates uh you can go to yesworld.com and tickets should be available from the looks of it um and other than that uh or i guess sort of related to that there was this nice post from billy sherwood um i'm not really sure if i'm gonna be able to share this around on my own since i'm very much focused on reading all this stuff um but anyway uh four days ago billy sherwood posted a nice uh made a nice facebook post where he talked about chris squire his hero mentor in many ways and uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it I'm always reminded as I prepare for another Yes tour of just one amazing musician slash composer he was. While I studied his bass lines from a very early age and have it under my fingers, as he would say to me, there is still to this day a challenge in that some compositions require extreme concentration to play. In a manner of speaking, there's a hell of a lot of notes to get right, lol. Every tour contains songs for which this process is very important to me personally, and so I sit in studio and prepare. I wish to honor Chris and his legacy by delivering the best performance of his works every night on tour. With the above as context, songs like The Mighty Awaken or Ritual or Gates, etc. are some of those heavy concentration pieces. Now, as I sit in my studio preparing for this next tour... There is a particular song I've yet to ever play with a band. I've played a lot of Yes songs, just never this one yet. This song has had me going now for a week straight. Just this one song. I'm a relatively quick study, as they say. So for me, a solid week of becoming, let's just say, comfortable is an extremely long time. For anyone interested in my pre-tour practice methods, I'll set up the tracks to play along with always original studio versions, and set up three separate input tracks to record my bass playing within my computer using my preferred system of Motu Digital Performer. I set the three bass tracks up with three individual colors, that being red, better keep playing it, yellow, it's coming together more easily, and green, got it nailed. Until I play the entire track and it's green, I'm not done yet. I'm happy to report I finally hit green. This after a solid seven days and nights pouring over every note, accent, and nuis uh, nuisance, etc. The entire process can't help but make me reflect on all my time spent with Squire, the silly things we would laugh about, the seriousness of working with Yes, and the joy of our other musical adventures in our band Conspiracy. My life path has taken me from a wide-eyed 12-year-old seeing Yes for the first time to now. It's all kind of strange still to me. I've surrendered to it's a matter of fate. That said, it's all a double-edged sword, though, knowing I stand on stage where Chris should still be. But life is unpredictable at best, and so my philosophy remains regarding not only yes, but my personal life. Having lost both dear family members and many friends, we live for those we've lost. That kind of thinking gives me strength in many ways, we must celebrate the lives and the legacy of those we cherish and keep in our hearts. With all that said, I know well that Chris is missed by so many. I am indeed one of them. I take comfort in the idea that we carry the flame, burning bright and proudly. It shall be done in his honor, and also in honor of our beloved Alan White, my drummer hero and beloved friend and bandmate in several bands. 
I'll wrap this post up by just saying thank you, Chris, for being my inspiration for all these reasons. Just as you and Alan wished, we are going forward. I miss you tremendously. So, yeah, that's a very heartwarming post, you know, remembering Chris and Alan. And there's that bit where Billy mentions a song he's never played before. And it really gets one wondering, like, what that song might be. I saw speculation that uh, someone said maybe it's the remembering. I mean, they've talked about that a little bit in some recent interviews. I mean, that would be really cool. Um, Beyond that, I'm not really sure what to guess, really, because there's like so many cuts in the Yes catalog, and I'm not really sure what they would gravitate toward um, at this time, you know? But... With a tour title being Classic Tales of Yes, I mean, it's eclectic, it's not solely set on one album, so I feel like there's a bit more possibilities right there, but of course the Tales part does bring Tales from Topographic Oceans to mind. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to share this. It's kind of difficult to multitask when I'm doing this on my own. But yeah, and speaking of honoring Chris... Um, Miguel Bass will be posting uh, Play for Chris 9, uh, I believe it's the ninth one, tomorrow on his YouTube channel at 2 p.m. Pacific, I think it is. Um, th that's what it says on my end. So, yeah, August 5th, 2 p.m. Pacific. And for those who don't know, uh, every year he invites people to come on and, or to record their own clips of you know ways to honor chris like playing bass or playing along to something that chris is very prominent on and my dad participated in last year's and it was a lot of fun seeing all the different ways that people honored chris it's just so amazing all the outside the box thinking that people did so i'm very excited to see the next play for Chris that's coming out so moving on from that uh one of the things I also wanted to talk about was this magazine that I kept seeing posts about and I honestly wasn't sure that I'd be able to find it because you know when it comes to finding yes items in the wild especially for more mainstream places I guess you could say, it can be a bit hit and miss trying to find something, especially like a magazine pertaining to Yes. You know, you might be able to find Yes CDs at like a Walmart or something, but it's not always guaranteed. But I, a few days ago, um, maybe at the beginning of the week, I went to my Walmart and I went to the magazine section and I found this. So give me a moment to just reach back and get it. All right, let's see if it's in frame. Um, all right, so this magazine titled The Complete Story of Yes. And you see all the graphics there. Uh, the albums, the songs, the concepts, 100 pages of wondrous stories. And, of course, the cover combines uh, relayer, tales, fragile, and a bit of drama. And I think either Yes songs or... Progeny. Um, I haven't quite 
uh, worked that out. But on the back side, they've got the close to the edge or fragile close to the edge lineup. Um, I suppose you can make an argument of like which lineup photo they should use for the back cover. But with close to the edge and fragile being probably the most popular yes albums of the 70s i can kind of get why they chose this photo and as you would expect uh more time is spent on close to the edge and 90125 for example than on other albums uh with something that's 100 pages and with something with such a huge more than half a century history as yes it can be difficult to balance all the different eras. So um, one of the things that kind of stood out to me was, well, okay, so going in order, you know, uh, they got quotes from Tony Kay, and, you know, there's uh, archived stuff that they compiled for this magazine, you know, interviews with Prague and Classic Rock magazine, so... Uh, and apparently this had come out previously in October 2021 from what I read, which is why it goes only up to the quest. And it even mentions the uh, then upcoming Relayer tour, which, I mean, big oof that that was, um, yeah, that, yeah. Um, but... Sorry, I'm just, like, scrolling through my notes. And there's also, like, a lot of noise going on outside. I don't know if you guys can hear any of that. But uh, this book does have a few typos here and there. Like, there are a couple places where it says Trevor when they mean to say Tony. So I don't know if that was a matter of someone trying to transcribe an interview. And as they're typing, they accidentally type the wrong name. Um... But there are some interesting anecdotes in this. The story of the Yes album, Mannequin, you know, how they got that from the street. I don't know that I ever heard that story before. And I never noticed how the... I think I've seen this photo before. Um, and I noticed that if there's a fragile f fly case there, I think it's a fly case so that's kind of neat um there they do offer multiple perspectives on certain things like the quotes about patrick moraz um ha talking about pressures within the band but there's also an an a little sentence about him reportedly not showing up to uh rehearsals and also, the conflicting um, views on Anderson's relationship with Trevor Horn during 90125. And we get the Chris Squire, how he uh, got John to listen to the 90125 stuff, which, you know, Trevor Horn's account in his autobiography we talked about recently is kind of different. So it kind of makes you wonder. Uh, there's a bit about Tormato, of course. Uh, Anderson, interestingly, described Tormato as like they were trying to be pop and mentioned Atlantic wanting the band to go in a poppy direction afterward. So I'm guessing that maybe that perhaps accounts for why Roy Thomas Baker 
was brought in to try to produce the next album. And Atlantic wanting cinema to become yes. So between that and Trevor Horn's autobiography, it seems like Atlantic wanted them to become yes as well. Uh, interestingly, Chris Squire has said he's fond of Big Generator, which um, I don't remember if I'd heard him say before. But um, speak of Tormato, just real quick, going on a brief detour. Um, so yeah, Kevin Morine's The Tormato Story. We've got the um, there's a book, and there's a covered supplement, which I got from tormatobook.com. Um, I listened to the Audible version of it. Like on the Audible app, you get Kevin Morine reading the book. And it, it's a fun listen. It's like listening to a long special episode of Yes Music podcast. And I highly recommend, like, you know, if you're kind of struggling to find time to read the book, like Audible is, or it's even on Google Play and maybe some other places. So it's definitely worth the read and the listen. Um, and we're going to try to see what we can do in September, you know, talk about the book, perhaps have Kevin on and celebrate Tormato in general as well. So we'll keep you all posted on that. Um, but getting back to the magazine, um, it also includes interviews, what, like you get these featured interviews with Squire, Anderson, Howe, and Bruford, each separately. But they kind of pop up a bit randomly at certain points in this. Um, like, I kind of think the placement of some of them could have been better. And, you know, in general, the magazine format is not something I've honestly gravitated toward that much. You know, as a little kid, um, or I guess I was 10, so maybe not that little, I was subscribed to Disney Adventure Magazine and I devoured those, but they were, like, smaller in dimensions and a bit easier to read. With a full magazine, like, I kind of get daunted, like, trying to read the whole thing. Like, there's something about the layout and how it all looks. But yesterday, I powered through this whole thing so that I'd be able to talk about it on the show. And I, I do think it does have some interesting things that I got out of it. Um, even if the wording of certain things, like, you know, there's certain moments where it's like, why would you describe someone like that? But they try to um, provide their own view on certain things, but also multiple reported views on certain things. So trying to get the full story in a way. Um, but of course, with something as big as Yes, you can never get the whole story, especially in just 100 pages. The thing is that I feel like from the first album to 90125, there, there's a decent amount of coverage, and maybe up to Big Generator as well. Like, it feels somewhat balanced. But then in the last, um, let's see, what page was it? On about page... Um, let's see. So like 75 pages and you get after 90125 and Big Generator. Um, I think it's Big Generator. 
yeah. And then you get this Bill Bruford interview. So that's another four pages. Um, so they get to page 80 and th they really glossed over certain things. They glossed over ABWH, Union, ARW. And uh, then page 80, there's a couple pages on talk, which I was kind of surprised about. Um, kind of a nice surprise, I should say. And then after that, you get a couple more pages. And then um, from open your eyes to heaven and earth, like that is such a long period of time, you know, 1997 to 2014. And all of that is condensed to two pages with no mention of Sherwood's first departure and no mention of Tom Brislin, I don't think. Um, and the touring after Chris Squire's passing, like there's not really any details about that or from a page or Jay Shellen or Dylan Howe for that matter. So they really fast forwarded through a bunch of this stuff, which, um, uh, you know, I, I, and I get it like the, with yes, the seventies and up to nine Oh one, two five are considered the, the big things, the classic stuff. But I feel like if this were 150 pages, you could have told the complete story or a complete er story. Um, but of course, you know, they really had to cut corners with this. Um, yeah, Dave Watkinson says they're basically a roundup of the best articles produced by Prague and Classic Rock. It's not going to be a book type read, but a good skip through the most popular times. Yeah, that's a good point, Dave. Like, it really is a matter of format. You know, with magazines, um, you kind of get the highlights, whereas with a book, like the ones... Um, that you've worked on and that we've talked about on the show, you'll get a more comprehensive history. Um, and of course, like, you know, me picky apart this magazine is of course me being a, a picky yes fan, you know? Um, but like I said, there are some interesting takeaways. Uh, one of the interviews in here, uh, 2014 Chris Squire interview, he has a quote where he says, like, back then he was like, oh, yeah, we're thinking of doing something with John Anderson, but we know he can't do full-scale touring. And I vaguely remember reading that. Um, I am curious about what ideas there may have been. You know, it's something I'm not dwelling on because, you know, it's, like, so long ago, but it's just something curious about. Um, overall, I'd give the magazine, I guess I'd give it, like, an 8 out of 10 you know, like I said, like someone like me and some of you all know the whole yes story. So maybe it's you. Maybe you'll read this and think, oh, I wish I had spent more time on this and that. But uh, you know, it's a magazine, um, and you know, not to I'm not throwing shade at magazines at all. It's just that with the format, you know, it, you kind of have to go in with different expectations. But for what it is, like. You know, 100 pages of yes, it's not bad. So uh, very curious if any of you have been able to find it out in the wild. Now, on the topic of books, I would also like to mention that yes, a visual biography, um, I think I saw Doug Curran post about this, is apparently going out of print uh, sometime soon. I think August 17th, 
Um, anyone can correct me on that. Uh, you could go to the Weimer Publishing website, and it looks like it's discounted. Um, so uh, if you're interested in that, go ahead and get it. Uh, the photos, like the way that they look, even just on the cover, it's like, wow, this might be something interesting to have. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on this magazine. I thought it'd be a nice thing to talk about on this 55 years of yes type thing. All right, so moving on to the other items on here. Uh, let me just put that magazine back here. Today, August 4th, is also Dylan Howe's birthday. He's son of Steve Howe, and he, of course, uh, helped them out on drums on the Yestival tour. So there were a couple things I wanted to highlight regarding Dylan Howe here. Uh, one of them was Steve Howe's The Grand Scheme of Things. Uh, this is his 1970, 1970, 1993 solo album. Um, uh, funny enough, like toward the end of the magazine, uh, Steve Howe said something about in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I guess I was a sign that this is a good pick to talk about. But yeah, this was, um, I believe, Steve Howe's fourth solo album. Um, and this came out apparently August of 1993, um, August 24th, according to what I'm looking at. So we're pretty much around the 30th anniversary of that, if you can believe it. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, it also features Virgil Howe um, on keyboards. So this was an interesting one. You, you do get Steve Howe on vocals. Uh, I do think the vocals could have been mixed better in places because there are points where I wasn't sure what exactly the lyrics were that were being sung but i like hearing steve sing you know i'm i, I like hearing him i yeah uh so the first couple tracks the grand scheme of things and desire come first dylan you know kind of keeps the beat and then i feel like it isn't until blinded by science and beautiful ideas that he's really able to go all out and i feel like the song um valley of rocks i've definitely heard steve play on one of the concert films i don't remember if it was a yes one around the 35th anniversary or if it was the asia 2007 one but it sounded very familiar uh, and this uh, i'm not sure if i've ever listened to this album in full before but this was a nice experience here um yeah, and the next track, uh, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and read the rest. So, At the Gates of the New World, Wayward Course, Reaching the Point. I feel like that one is a nice highlight of the three hows on their instruments together. Common Ground, Look of the Draw, The Fall of Civilization, Passing Phases, Georgia's Theme, Too Much is Taken and Not Enough, Maiden Voyage, Road to Oneself. So, with Georgia's Theme, you got another family one there. Uh, I feel like Desire Comes First is probably my favorite of the bunch. Uh, there's also a song where the ending felt kind of reminiscent of the end of Fish Out of Water. It might have been Maiden Voyage. When I went back to listen to all the tracks, I feel like the differences are standing out more than the similarities. So I don't know for sure if it was Maiden Voyage. But yeah, th this baby was almost an hour long, 58 minutes um, and it's an interesting point in history. You know, this is between Union and Keys to Ascension as far as Steve Howe's uh, timeline, his music chronology. 
I feel like songs like Blinded by Science, you could kind of hear the lineage from GTR, you know, that type of style. And you've also got Keith West doing harmony vocals and harmonica, Nick Beggs on bass, Anna Palm on violin and vocals. Um, Martin Dean did the photography, the logo, the cover art, and Roger Dean did the artwork and design for this one. So if you've listened to a grand scheme of things, chime in on your thoughts on that. Uh, Robert Nasir says, I like hearing Steve sing too. I know he doesn't have a natural lead singer's voice, but I think Yes fans complain way, way too much about it. I'm glad Steve enjoys singing, and Lost Symphony remains a favorite. Yeah, uh, I agree, Robert. Like, Steve definitely, you know, he's a different type of singer. We're so used to the Yes lead singers, and even Chris Squire and Trevor Rabin on certain songs, but... Steve, I like that when we get to hear him sing more upfront on occasional pieces here and there, like on the last couple Yes albums and on his own solo stuff. I feel like people are way, way too critical about his singing. It's like he's just doing his own thing, you know? Um, oh, Robert also said, I got my first copy a few years ago when it was released. Um I don't know if that's about the grand scheme of things or the magazine, but um, also said my wife, who didn't know I already had it, brought home this year's update, which she purchased at the local CVS. Okay, I guess that's about the magazine. Uh, Ray Reithmeyer chimes in saying, uh, in regards to the magazine, they also have to balance between the more objective journalistic voice and the enthusiasm that must be there for them to create such a product. You end up with a sense of disingenuousness trying not to be too fanish yeah i definitely got that vibe so yeah i get it uh also ray also said dylan howe played live with adam wakeman for jazz sabbath yeah i remember that uh grand scheme sounds like songs that steve would have brought to the table as yes songs if the eight man union lineup had actually continued and did a new album together yeah, there were at least a few moments on Grand Scheme where I was thinking this kind of feels like the demos from uh, what would have been the second WH album. So maybe some of that would have ended up on a Yes album had the Union lineup or the Union lineup minus Bruford perhaps continued. Uh, so, but getting to the jazz stuff, the jazz angle with Dylan Howe. Um, Dylan Howe is very much a jazz drummer, and so the other album I listened to in preparation for this Dylan Howe birthday celebration was the first album by the Dylan Howe Quintet, which is called The Way I Hear It. So I'm just looking at the track list real quick. Um, let's see, The Way I Hear It, Dylan Howe. And I gotta say, I expected this to definitely be jazzy. I was kind of surprised how relaxing it was for me after such a busy time and like taking care of a lot of different things. And it really put me in a good move, with good move, good mood listening to this the way I hear it. So the tracks on here are Traveling, Starting Out, Drifting, Two Bass Hit, Violets for Your First, Speak No Evil. Of the hurricane and you in the night and the music, and yeah, Dylan is very much unleashed on here. He's doing like his jazz thing. Uh, 
you even get to see him on the cover of this. I, I wish I could do the graphics, but again, because of my setup. Uh, the way I hear it, according to what I'm looking at, came out in 2003, although I've seen a couple other places mention different years, but yeah, 20 years ago, so I figured it'd be nice to talk about that since it was 20 years ago and Grand Scheme since it was 30. And uh, I definitely recommend listening to this, even if you're not a super fan of jazz it definitely helps you appreciate jazz music and you know there's some jazz dna in some yes music so there you go uh the way i hear it it's it's a great record like you can hear it on um officially on youtube it's on like the doing how topic uh thing all right so and yeah, happy birthday to Dylan Howe, now 54 years old, just a year younger than Yes. Uh, and in the magazine, you even um, have a quote from Steve Howe about how around the time Dylan was born, like there's kind of more pressure to try to get a big break in music. And of course, uh, about, about a year after that, he'd be with Yes. So there you go. Um, all right, so yeah, happy birthday, Dylan Howe, and definitely give that a listen if you haven't, all you fans out there. Uh, next topic is Trevor Rabin's Rio. So coming out October 6th is a new solo album by Trevor Rabin, the first one that he's done with vocals on it uh, since 1989's Can't Look Away. You know, some of you might remember that he released Jacaranda, an instrumental solo album back in 2012. Amazing record. Uh, the song Rescue, I, it just gets me very emotional. But yeah, on this one, you know, he's talked about this occasionally over the years, and it's finally coming out on Inside Out Music, which I believe is the same label that has Yes right now. So that's fascinating. Um, and no, don't you all go starting rumors about a reunion. It's not going to happen. So Rio is named after uh, Trevor's grandchild. And the artwork has like this cubism thing going on. Um, I believe that's what you'd call it. And it's coming out October 6th, like I mentioned. A new single dropped today titled Big Mistake. Uh, so you can see that on Trevor's YouTube channel. And the video, you know, we've talked about, you know, me and my dad have talked about how with music videos, we like to see the band perform. And in this music video, you very much do get to see Trevor playing on a couple different guitars. But it's also intercut with footage of these actors playing, you know, people who are in love with each other. Um, and like, even without that footage, the song sounds kind of like something that would be put in some sort of movie. Uh, Trevor sounds great. Uh, the production, yeah, I I'm very curious to hear how this might sound, like how this will stack up against the other tracks that'll be on that album on Rio. Um, so I really like this song. I, I think it's still growing on me, but it's still like a really good start, a good single to put out. Some of it kind of reminds me of uh, Talk, uh, especially The Calling. It kind of has that vibe to it, to my ears. Uh, and again, I'm like really excited that Trevor Rabin uh, has 
put himself out there, you know, relaunched his social media presence, uh, Trevor Rabin Music on Facebook, and you can also find him on Twitter. Um, looking at the Burning Shed listing of this, you can get a Rio CD, Blu-ray, and yellow vinyl bundle. Uh, there's also the Rio red vinyl plus Blu-ray. Um, right here it says format vinyl CD. Uh, so Rio yellow vinyl. Um, yeah, there are a few different formats for this. Um, I'm just like reading these real quick. You can find these on Burning Shed. Um, it's available to pre-order. Oh, apparently the yellow one is out of stock. So, and so is the the bundle that has a CD, Blu-ray, and yellow vinyl. So, that tells you something that's like already out of stock. Uh, just yeah, the demand is there. Like people have been wanting more Trevor Rabin. Uh, you know, with ARW, we only got that song "Fragile," and it wasn't even officially released. It got broadcast on the radio and some people were kind of dismissive of it but i heard promise on it you know some of it was recycled from music uh trevor had previously done for a tv show but the lyrics and the singing you know uh john and trevor and a, a little bit of rick toward the end uh there could have been more rick but um yeah like i saw promise there but i'm glad we're now finally getting a full album of new material with Trevor Rabin and it's very exciting. Um, man, it would be great to have him on this show We're we're seeing what we can do about that. All right. So another single that came out today, uh, came from Downs braid association. Now this is a single called keep on moving. It's from their upcoming album, celestial songs, which comes out September 8th. Um, and previously, about a month ago, they released a video for a different single called Clear Light. Uh, for Clear Light, it was more of a lyric video set against Roger Dean's amazing Celestial Songs artwork. And, you know, Chris Braid's vocals are just amazing. Like, you get the moodiness in it. And then with this new one, Keep On Moving, it's actually nostalgic looking footage it kind of looks like home video footage like you get this dad and this child you do get cameos from downs and braid now and then but um even though they're not performing i do like the nostalgic feel of it like the thing about you know people going on different paths and you know sometimes that's okay um it just i don't know it really hits the nostalgia nerve in a good way uh and it's very like i think it's very well edited um and i'll have more to say about the celestial songs album in a few weeks once you know we're able to review that um so yeah and jeff downs's birthday is coming up on the 25th so yeah very exciting stuff i i consider myself a fan of this Downs braid material um that you know well cards on the table i've listened to at least some of the first four albums and just these first couple of songs i've been put out and i really like how it's different from yes it's even 
it's different from Asia even like I guess you could say it's more radio friendly but I still like the vibe that it puts out like I feel like with uh yes like whenever people talk about Jeff Downs and yes I, sometimes it feels like they forget he's also been in Asia and he's also doing Downs Braid Association so very excited and people can of course pre-order uh celestial songs i believe that's on spirit of unicorn records um let me just double check that um yeah it's a very memorable name but i just want to make sure i don't have my wires crossed uh yeah i'm just spirit Yeah, okay. So coming out September 8th and you can also get different formats from the looks of it. Um Yeah, I'll have to check the chat as well to see if anyone else has chimed in. Okay, yeah, it looks like Spirit of Unicorn. Um see oh ray chimed in again a demo fragile is a bonus truck on rio not sure if demo means no john and rick on it oh okay all right yeah thanks for a reminder i've totally meant to look at the track list and read it off so let me just go back to that real quick let's see rio tracks all right, so the tracks on Rio are Big Mistakes, Push, Oklahoma, Paradise, Tandy, Goodbye, Tumbleweed, These Tears, Egoli, Toxic. Um, and then I also see Etching on here for side D of the vinyl. Um, yeah, I'm just poking around. Sorry, folks, if this feels a bit meandering, but, you know, I'm just doing this broadcast on my own right now. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I'm looking at the red plus Blu-ray listing. Um, for the Blu-ray, it does list... Wait, hang on. Okay, for side D on that, it lists bonus tracks, Speck and Polly, Fragile... Georgia. Oh, interesting. Another Georgia. Huh. That's kind of funny. Um, so yeah, Fragile Demo. I'm very curious about that. Um, it'd be nice if it included John and Rick. Um, how long was the version with John and Rick? I'm just looking it up real quick. ARW, Fragile. Yeah, that one was almost five and a half minutes. So... My guess is it's probably a different version that doesn't have John and Rick on it. Um, I'll still be curious to listen to it once I can. Um, but yeah, as for Celestial Songs, uh, that'll be talked about at a later point. In the meantime, let's see, we got a lot of miscellaneous stuff to get through before recapping the John Wetton tribute concert. So let's see what we got here. Uh, there's a Jay Shellen drum symposium uh, going. Well, it's not just Jay Shellen. It's a drum symposium, and Jay Shellen is one of the drummers that happens to be there. Just looking at the info real quick. Um, 
So mastermindlounge.com presents a free drum symposium featuring Carmine Apice, Johnny Barbato, Prairie Prince, and Jay Shellen. And of course, it lists him as drummer for Yes and acclaimed session musician. So this will be at www.mastermindlounge.com drum on August 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. A one-night-only free event. Reserve your spot now. Right, so that should be very exciting for you drum enthusiasts out there. Um, okay, so this next item I have here, John Davison and John Lodge. So by now, you all probably are aware of you know, John Davison, John Lodge. Um, you know, John Lodge has been touring, uh, playing Moody Blues material, and uh, John Davison is even married to Lodge's daughter, Emily Lodge. I think that happened uh, toward the end of last year, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot going on with that. Uh, I saw a video where they were sitting together and talking about these... I think it was like these shirts that had to do with uh, what they were... Yeah, sorry, I'm just scrolling to like where it is. Yeah, these slide zone t-shirts. It's like this tie-dye looking thing. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, and they start... There's a tour that started uh, mid-July. Um, another thing that happened is... Uh, sorry, I've got like so many tabs open. There's just like so much going on and I'm just trying to stay in order right here. Um, let's see. Yeah, Lodge and Davison. Uh, they've also recorded Days of Future Past, My Sojourn. So um, I'm just reading this off of Bondi Gezu. Uh, some of the news items like I was able to find thanks to Henry Potts's excellent site. So I'm just going to read what he wrote here. Recorded over the preceding year, orchestrations are by Hewitt, and the album also uses spoken word recordings by the late Graham Edge, done for Morning Glory and Late Lament on tour. Lodge is the lead vocalist on most of the album. The album was released digitally July 14th. It was available on CD on summer tour dates, and from early August will be available from Lodge's website. An LP release comes in the autumn. With the Dolby Atmos mix due 2024. The cover photos by Inga Wilson, Lodge's daughter in law, with lettering by Roger Dean. Um, yeah, and like it looks like the ones that had John Davison on vocals include Tuesday Afternoon, Forever Afternoon, and Nights in White Satin. Um, yeah, it was cool seeing them perform together on the Royal Affair Tour, which again is the sure that i'm wearing right now uh so yeah very happy to see that you know they're putting out some stuff uh there are also a couple updates regarding oliver wakeman's upcoming onamkara album you know we had oliver on our show uh just last month a few weeks ago and he talked about a lot of cool things and onamkara is one of them uh so he mentioned that uh, the mixes were coming together. And then he said, 
uh, on July 30th. So I had the final mix of the Anamkara record through yesterday, and I can honestly say that this record has exceeded my expectations. The quality of the musicianship is amazing, and I'm playing it to the management this coming week. Fingers crossed they like it. I've been honored to have the following musicians as my band on the record. Haley Griffiths on vocals all of her day on acoustic, classical guitar, lute, mandolin, and lap steel guitar. Scott Higham on drums. David Mark Pierce on electric guitars. Steve Amadio on basses. Troy Donockley on whistles and pipes. Robert McClung on violin. Mick Allport on sax and clarinet. Carl Groom mixing and mastering an additional guitar. Um... Yeah, so I'm very excited about this album. Um, oh, also on the 16th, he said he just received the first mix of the record of with a few tweaks required. Uh, and there's a picture of uh, him with Anne Sudworth discussing the artwork for the cover and booklet. So, yeah, I'm very excited to hear what this record sounds like. Um, and that'll be... also Like, it'll also be part of the the series that me and my dad have been doing like first solo album since joining yes like this will be you know reviewing this will be a continuation of that series since we've pretty much run out of people up until this comes out and trevor horn's first solo album whenever that comes out uh you know whenever those happen uh so speaking of uh we mentioned a little bit ago roger dean uh he's gonna be at the crop ready festival or rather um trading boundaries will be featuring his stuff at the crop ready festival um yeah i'm just making sure i have all the info here yeah sorry folks if i'm lagging i'm just yeah <laughs> um it's yeah train boundaries galleries presents roger dean um so Festival dates take place 10th, 11th, and 12th August, just outside Cropperty Village in Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire, I should say. Uh, the Roger Dean Gallery will be located at stall number 6 on the Jonah's Oak side of the arena, where you will find a collection of fine art prints, original paintings, and sketches available to purchase. Roger will also be making a live stage presentation on Friday morning before the music begins, followed by a meet and greet in the main merchandise tent timings to be announced. We're also delighted to announce an original design for this year's Crop Ready Festival. The artwork will be available as a limited edition print from the gallery and also available as a special edition t-shirt from the merchandise stalls. We look forward to being part of this amazing festival and seeing you there. Yeah, and this is also the festival where David Cousins of Straubs, who we interviewed recently, will be doing his farewell gig. So this will be a very momentous Crop Ready Festival. So another thing that happened recently was the announcement of, uh, well, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this, but in the 80s, there was this movie called She, and Rick Wakeman did music for that, and there was this recent announcement that um, basically that soundtrack is being reissued apparently also features motorhead and justin hayward i've never seen the movie she but based on like this little trailer here like these clips i'm not sure if it's aged well and the online scores for the movie don't inspire confidence in me 
Apparently it's on Tubi, like it's streaming there. Like so I very well could watch this if I so choose. But yeah, you can order this CD uh she soundtrack uh over on Rick Wakeman's Music Emporium dot com. Uh for us over here it's thirteen dollars and eighty two cents. So if the music there like is uh your thing, then yeah, you could very much order that if you want. A few other music releases uh, coming up or having happened, and then we'll get to the recap of the John Wetton concert. Uh, Let me just share this into another group. Uh, So a few of these are related to Cleopatra Records. Uh, I don't know how many are familiar with this, but about 10 years ago, or almost 10 years ago in October... Uh, William Shatner put out this spoken word album with Billy Sherwood also having done production and music and some vocals on there. Uh, It's called Ponder the Mystery. And I think this is a great album. Uh, Apparently it's been reissued or remixed actually. Um, And it's called Ponder the Mystery Revisited. So this is a bold new mix that revamps and reinvigorates a star-studded progressive rock album from iconic actor slash musical interpreter extraordinaire William Shatner. The newly remixed audio brings Shatner's deft and poetic wordplay into the foreground while still making room for the stellar guests including Steve Val, Rick Wakeman, Hawkwind's Simon House, and Nick Turner, Tangerine Dream's Edgar Froes, uh, jazz great Al D. Mayola, country superstar vince gill and others uh so i've only listened to one track from this uh that came out um it might have been the title track on this and based on what i heard it seemed like billy sherwood um like his contributions may have been dialed back for this Um, i'll have to listen to this whole thing to see if i can hear billy uh, apparently, you can listen to this on wombshatner.bandcamp.com already. Uh, and I guess there's a general release in a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, it says it ships August 18th, I guess, if you buy the physical copies. From what I can tell, the original Ponder the Mystery album is um, still available for streaming, at least on youtube uh, officially so i'm hoping that like it remains this way like both versions of ponder the mystery will still be available but uh yeah like i mean you've heard me and my dad talk about fly from here and how we want both versions available so it's so far it seems like both versions of ponder the mystery are accessible so again i hope it stays that way and maybe in October, if I can find the time, I'll do like a compare and contrast, like talking about both versions of Ponder the Mystery. Um, so we got another Cleopatra release, um, but Array chimed in saying Billy's vocals have been removed from the new version, putting the emphasis on Shatner's parts. Okay. Yeah, I suspected that, but want to confirm first. Um, I really love Billy's vocals, so... Part of me thinks that maybe this revisited version, I might not 
like I'll, I'll probably still like it but perhaps not as much as the original that has billy on it but i'll give it a full listen when i have the time so that i can put my um full thoughts on it um ray also says uh trevor horn's first solo album was this one and i uh, okay he linked me to the reflection wave one original soundtrack yeah that's something that i considered like it was between that and a couple compilation looking things uh, but since it was a soundtrack i wasn't sure if it could technically be considered a solo album and then in an interview about a few months ago trevor horn said oh i'm finally gonna do my first solo album so i feel like because he said that we're considering this next thing that he's supposedly doing to be his first solo album but hey if that never comes out maybe uh we will talk about uh this soundtrack here um i might even give it a listen anyway and talk about it on something else in the future but we'll see but getting back to the cleopatra records stuff uh we've also got abbey road reimagined coming out uh it says the release date is I believe August 18th. Uh, you can find this at Cleopatra Records at Bandcamp.com. Um, I'm just looking at who this features here. Uh, includes performances by Matthew Sweet, Joey Fish's Roger Manning, Wolf Pex's Charles Jones, Billy Idol guitarist Steve Stevens, GNR cohort Ron Bumblefoot Thal, Paul Schaefer, God of Hellfire Arthur Brown, and lots more. Okay, I knew there's a yes connection on this, but gosh, I have so many tabs opened. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's like a yes connection on this, and I just got to look real quick. Um, let's see, Abbey Road. Okay. Um, Gosh darn it, where is this? Abbey Road Reimagined. It's also quite clever that has, well, I don't know if it was intentional, but it has like Imagine in the title. Um, so, you know, kind of a little John Lennon-esque thing there. Do, do, do. Yeah, you would think I'd be, like, fully prepared for all of this, but there's just so much to talk about, and evidently just, yeah. <laughs> see, Abbey Road reimagined. Yeah, I feel like I got to talk so that there's no, like, dead air right now. Um... I'm getting to the post where I saw this. Okay, so apparently Jeff Downs, Patrick Moraz, um, apparently they're featured on this according to what I'm looking at. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Like, once this is, like, hopefully I can listen in, to this in the near future and maybe share my thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, you know, the Beatles, of course, are also a huge influence on some Yes members. So there you go. All right. This next item, Metal Reimagined, also from 
Cleopatra Records uh, on their Bandcamp. Uh, this one comes out September 1st. Uh, one of these tracks, uh, you got uh, Jeff Downs on one of these days. And I'm just skimming through to see if... Oh, Rick Wakeman is on the fourth track, San Tropes. Or is it Tropez or Tropes? I don't know, but he's on that one. Uh, so yeah, another interesting, like, I really enjoy listening to these reimaginings and tribute records that Cleopatra has put out over the years. So, you know, you get different takes on the songs, the material that you're familiar with, and it really shows, like, what can be done. All right, and what these other products that is coming out, um... Let's see. A Compendium of British Psychedelia, 1966 to 1969. So this is a actually a compilation of stuff and apparently features the sin, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and there's also this other thing coming out soon. Um... Sorry, I'm just trying to look at the release date for when that British Psychedelia compendium comes out. Uh, gosh, it's taking forever to load. Okay, release is October 27th on cherryred.co.uk. When the alarm clock rings, a compendium of British Psychedelia 1966-1969. Um, so yeah, it does feature uh the sin on here yeah and i'll i'll put all the links to these things in the comments afterward because i i just there's just so much i have to like read through and i need to focus on all right so what's this next thing here uh the fusion syndicate so you can find that at fusion syndicate.pandcamp.com a speedway on saturn's rings so this is a Fernando Perdomo release uh, coming out September 1st. And I know that uh, at least one Yes member is on here. I'm just making sure I got the right person here. Um, okay, so I'm looking at Henry Potts' site. The Fusion Syndicate name was originally used for a 2012 project from Billy Sherwood. And four tracks from that album are included as bonus tracks here. The instrumental album is in the style of 1970s jazz fusion uh, tracks. Okay. Um, yeah, this features Rick Wakeman on the third track, I.O. Uh, so, yeah, that might be worth a listen to some of you. I definitely want to check this out once the tracks are are accessible on here. I, I assume that since they're on Bandcamp, these things will be listenable on there at some point. Otherwise, you might just have to get the physical release. So I guess we'll have to see. I know that uh, the Anderson Stolt album, Invention of Knowledge, also got a remix recently. Um, there was a video of uh, Rowan Stolt talking about the vinyl. So, And apparently he was at a Paul Green Rock Academy show recently. Uh, so, 
I hope that bodes well for the second album by that duo, but I guess we'll see. Um, there's also this news on Loudersound.com with the headline, John Anderson, Rick Wakeman, Gentle Giant Straubs, and more on new Tony Visconti box set. Uh, so this uh, celebrates the work of producer Tony Visconti, uh, celebrated in a new four-disc or ATLP box set produced by Tony himself out in October. Right, so I'm seeing if this says, like, what's included. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the stuff related to the people we know. Oh, there's a Badfinger song, Dear Angie. Um, John Anderson, All God's Children. I believe that's from his animation album. Let's do Control F. That'll make things easier. <laughs> oh, and another Anderson. Oh, no, wait, that's the same one. All right, let's see. Wakeman. March of the Gladiators. Okay. Yeah, I vaguely remember that song. It sounds a, a little bit... It's kind of a funny little track there. Um, you have to listen to it to know what I mean. But yeah, this comes out October 20th um, through Edsel and Demon Records. Right. So... Doo -doo -doo. Oh yeah, thanks, Ray. Alrighty. Um... Yeah, let me just take a sip of water real quick. I just realized I've been talking for over an hour and haven't had a sip. Yeah, we got the Yes mug here. Yeah, I might need to take a couple more sips. Um, oh, yeah, Ray says from Rhapsodies. Yeah, that's where March of the Gladiators is from. Ooh, okay. Wow, we've been going on for over an hour, but we are going to get to the recap of the concert soon. And I'll try to do my best. Again, I'm doing this on my own, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, all right. So the next thing I want to talk about real quick. And Monday in the mail, I got Renaissance The Legacy Tour uh, 2022. So uh, some of you might remember we had Annie Haslam on our show uh, almost a year ago. I think it was on October of last year. And she was a wonderful guest. We were able to talk about Renaissance and her work with Steve Howe and Tom Brislin. And uh, she had this Indiegogo campaign for this live album. Um, and I, I got the, the copy that's like autographed. So it's a great album. Uh, She's really great at getting the high notes still. Uh, Symphony of Light highlights that, I would say. Uh, there's also some great piano work, and um, this is a very symphonic-sounding album. There's, like, from start to finish, this feels very top-notch. Um, this was recorded at the Keswick Theater on October 21st last year. Um and yeah, it's definitely worth the listen if any of you can get it. Uh, so the tracks are Carpet of the Sun, Black Flame, The Sisters. Um, and sorry. Yeah, the autographs are like over the songs. Okay, got a booklet here. 
uh, Ananda, The Captive Heart. That was a very emotional one. Symphony of Light, Blessing in Disguise, Celestine. That's another beautiful listen. Reaching Out, The Angels Cry, Day of the Dreamer, and Running Hard. And you get some nice photos of the people involved in here. And yeah, overall, I'm very happy with this live album. I've been waiting for this for nearly a year, and it finally came. So I'm very, very happy about that. If any of you are Renaissance fans, definitely get this. Um, If you've never listened to Renaissance, I think you'll still really enjoy this and appreciate it for what it is. All right, so another thing, um, I recently saw that, um, sorry, I'm pulling up their name, uh, Leo Krubsack made a post saying, 25 years ago tonight, this is on July 24th, 57 of my choir students from Millican Middle School sang with Yes at a sold-out concert at Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles, and I got to conduct can you imagine? It was every bit as thrilling as it sounds. We performed No Way We Can Lose from Open Your Eyes. It was so cool of John to ask us. Yeah, I think we might have alluded to that um, when we talked about Open Your Eyes last year and some of the live play that only a few of the tracks got. And again, it's really cool that that happened back in 98. Um, so... That also brings me to, you know, John, you know, touring with the Paul Green Rock Academy. Uh, You know, they've recently been touring in Europe, uh, titled the Close to the Edge 51st Anniversary Tour. So, um, yeah, just continuing the anniversary right there. Um, I've seen clips here and there, but... Again, like things have been like so busy recently. Um, I'm just trying to look at what the set list was for the recent shows real quick. Uh, okay, so I have it pulled up. Uh, so apparently the average set list includes Yours is No Disgrace, Heart of the Sunrise, Awaken, I've Seen All Good People, Perpetual Change, Close to the Edge, South Side of the Sky, Long Distance Runaround, Andy and I, Starship Trooper, The Fish, Owner of Only Heart, Roundabout and Siberian Katru. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to see if it lists like the most recent shows. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the set list for the recent shows. It seems to be in line with that. The most recent one that they did was in Dublin. And the next one is in Valkenburg in the Netherlands tomorrow. Um, but the Paul Green Rock Academy were also involved at this John Wetton tribute concert that happened yesterday. So uh, let me just look at the news items real quick before I get into that. Um, let's see. I think we've already talked about Patrick Mraz is going to be at Prague Stock in October. Um, yeah, the, and, you know, Tom Brislin active with Kansas and they're touring. Um, I'm sure there might be like some news items I haven't been able to mention, but this is pretty much everything I've been able to gather. And I knew this was going to be a long show, even with just me, 
But yeah, so I'm going to go into recapping the John Wetton and Extraordinary Life tribute concert that Train Boundaries hosted. So if you still want to watch that stream on trainboundaries.com slash concert, I think it's still available. Um, and want to be surprised, you can tune out here. But otherwise, I'll go ahead and recap what I put down in my notes. Alright, so this stream started at 10.30 a.m. for me. You know, I'm on Pacific uh, Standard Time. Um, oh, real quick, something I forgot to mention. Uh, BurningShed.com um, today emailed out that there were copies of Close to the Edge, VS album of Fragile available. Um, apparently signed by Bull Bruford, but now they're like out of stock, so go figure. Um, but anyway, getting back to the John Wetton concert recap. Um, let's see, John, okay. So, the stream, at first, like, they were taking care of some technical stuff. And whenever there were performances, the performances sounded great. Um, there were gaps of waiting time in between songs. So, you know, I guess there were, like, a lot of moving pieces going on. But all things considered, it was quite a feat that they were able to get all these people to, you know, get together and honor John. Um, I think they did a really good job with, you know, all the people that they had, all the songs they were able to perform. And, you know, they really showed the breadth of John Wetton's career. Uh, so this stream lasted about six hours. So over in the UK, it would have been from 6.30 p.m. to half past midnight, if you can believe it. Um, I don't know if any of you can hear all that noise outside, but I I'm pretty sure I'm still audible. A sip of water. Okay. Um, hopefully some of you are like still watching um yeah it looks like some are still so the set was started with rick wakeman performing life on mars and eleanor rigby 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 uh kind of surprised because i don't know if there are like any john wetton connections there um but you know maybe it possibly have to do with john wetton's tastes uh, I, I get the impression that Rick Wakeman opened the thing because he had to be in London by a certain time the next day. That's what it sounded like. So I guess he was really, um, I guess they sort of worked around his schedule perhaps. But the performances of those two songs were as great as you would expect. And then Jerry Ewing from Prog Magazine talked about seeing Asia and then interviewing John Wetton in 1990 after Then and Now came out. Um, and he talked about the charity that this concert was conduced. Um, okay, the Macmillan Caring Locally. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, so yeah, and Trading Boundaries, again, did a great job hosting this thing. Um so then David Cross got on stage with the Paul Green Rock Academy. 
and they played uh easy money which you know king crimson song uh the very first john wetton thing i'd ever heard you know the yes years documentary had a clip of that and so easy money was the first thing that i ever heard john wetton sing like ever to to my memory um and then we got exiles book of saturday and fracture so you know starting off with the king crimson stuff and i should mention that the paul green rock academy would alternate between you know a couple songs would have a young lady singing a couple other songs would have a young guy singing and they did really well with the material like i feel like some people are kind of critical when they see the rock academy with john like and vs music but i feel like based on the chat that um i was seeing like people were much kinder here for whatever reason so i don't know if it's just like different people like prefer different things i don't know like it's it was just kind of interesting but the rock academy did such a great job throughout this whole thing uh so then mel collins joined the stage and they played fallen angel red and one more red nightmare and then roger dean came out and he talked about uh john wetton and um how with asia like the visual identity had to look different from yes and he told this story about how you know wetton was very enthusiastic about the chinese dragon and the people at geffen or maybe it was like one person at geffen like weren't so sure about the logo like apparently the logo wasn't that legible to them which is very wild to hear because when i look at the asia logo it very clearly looks like it is saying asia uh so i don't know what was going on there but of course uh there were some doubts that it would be a hit record and lo and behold it became such a hit uh you know the rest was history you know the first asia album became uh such a commercial achievement and a prog achievement i would say um but anyway it was a really nice anecdote um it would have made more sense for it to be spoken before they played the asia material way way later in the show but maybe roger dean couldn't be there that late so they had him tell this story uh first before introducing martin orford for the uk set so uh they played in the dead of night and rendezvous 602 and they sounded magnificent then there was this video screen uh showing video messages from people there were a couple that i i wasn't able to hear on the stream or that i don't know if they played at all like i remember seeing steve howe on the screen at one point um i did hear martin turner of wishbone ash uh he mentioned that how he and john uh Wetton had walked across coals as like a sort of rite of passage thing uh interesting story uh carl palmer uh couldn't make it to this concert but in his video message he said he really enjoyed working with john 
Uh, Martin Darville uh, also sent in a message. Uh, then there was an intermission, and afterward, we got All Along the Watchtower featuring Steve Hackett. So, you know, we've had Steve Hackett on our show last year, and he was such a great guest. Uh, and he also played Afterglow, you know, the Genesis song. And then there was this reminder of the book, which we've reviewed uh, in June, you know, John Wetton and Extraordinary Life. You can get it at johnwettenbook.com. It's definitely worth the read. You get all these people providing different accounts of John, his impact on their lives and whatnot. Uh, such a great book. Can't say enough good things. And they also mentioned the upcoming John Wetton box set, which is also titled An Extraordinary Life. Uh, so this comes out on November 24th. Um, I'm just real quick pulling up the info for it because I know we've posted about it, but this basically includes some of his solo albums and a couple discs of previously unreleased stuff, and the artwork looks really good. Um, okay, so here it is. Um, or is it? Hang on. Um, sorry, I've got to scroll to the thing. I know that Nick Shilton, who worked on the book, also contributed uh, some stuff written for this box set. So, you know, a huge shout out to Nick Shilton for putting all that work in there. Um, let's see, maybe if I type that... Gosh, I feel like I'm all over the place today. Okay, here it is. Uh, so, contains eight newly remastered CDs featuring the six solo albums Wetton released between 1980 and 2011. Each album now includes special bonus tracks. Additionally, two further discs are included, which feature a gold mine of rare, live, and unreleased material from the vaults, compiled by John's, ar John's archivist, Rick Nelson. Uh, there's a trailer for this on YouTube. Uh, housed in a sumptuous 12-inch by 12-inch box, this set includes a 64-page book with an introduction by legendary artist Roger Dean and contains comprehensive sleeve notes by Nick Shilton, author of John Wetton's biography An Extraordinary Life, published earlier this year. The book also features a raft of photographs taken from the Wetton archive and has been designed by John's longtime friend Michael Inns. This whole project has been lovingly crafted and compiled with the full blessing of John's son, Dylan, and his wife, Lisa, and is endorsed by the Wetton estate. Uh, with a career spanning more than four decades, Wetton's rich baritone voice and accomplished bass playing has adorned many recordings. In this an extraordinary life, his extensive solo career is captured for posterity on one sumptuous box set, making this a fitting tribute to one of the UK the most loved and respected artists. So the discs include Caught in the Crossfire uh, from 1980, Battle Lines from 1994, Archangel from 97, Welcome to Heaven from 2000, Rock of Faith from 2003, Raising Captivity from 2011, and discs 7 and 8 are new live and unreleased tracks. So you can find this on cherryred.co.uk. Uh, this is 
looks like it will be really, really exciting. Um, oh, I see Robert Nasir's comment. Yeah, I, I'm getting to that as I continue recapping this. All right, so next they played, you know, they went into uh, Biv Wetton's solo stuff. Uh, they played Woman, and then they played Battle Lines. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just reading this info here. Um, they had John Mitchell on vocals and Martin Orford on keys and backing vocals for Battle Lines. And then there was a video message from Macmillan caring locally. Uh, and then uh, a, re a representative from uh, the charity also spoke. So definitely look into them. Um, then there was like some technical stuff that was going on. There's a point where I heard a little bit of Owner of a Lonely Heart. So I don't know what was going on there. But once they got everything set up again... Uh, next, they played Burlesque, uh, which was a family song, you know, the band family, which John Wetton was in prior to joining King Crimson. Um, and then after that, we got My Friend, The Son, uh, another family track. And then there's a video from Chris Braid singing The Smile Has Left Your Eyes. You know, such a good job singing that. And then we get to the moment which Robert Nasir uh, just commented about and retired Bill Bruford attended and performed three question marks <laughs> uh, so yeah Bill Bruford was at this thing uh, granted he only performed on the Brian Ferry song let's stick together um, I'm guessing the song was from John Wetton's session days if I'm not mistaken um, oh wait hang on Okay, apparently Roxy Music performed this. Okay. Um, yeah, and so this performance featured Bill on drums. Um, you know, at this concert, you had Bill on drums. Um, you had... Um, you, sorry, what's his first name? Um, Difford on vocals and acoustic guitar. Phil Manzanera on guitar and backing vocals. Or electric guitar and backing vocals. And Guy Pratt on bass and backing vocals. Um, sorry, I just need to look up Difford's for Chris Difford. Okay, I almost said Cliff, but I've there was part of my brain that was like that's not right. And lo and behold, so let me take a sip of water. Just think about Bill coming out of retirement for that song. Hang on. So yeah, it was very amazing that Bill, you know, even though he's retired, he's been very, very firm on his stance that no public performances, not even with Yes when they were doing their 50th anniversary stuff. You know, he he didn't uh, show up at the, well, he was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, but didn't perform. Um, again, that's another event that wasn't mentioned in the magazine, weirdly enough, but he did give a speech uh, for Yes in front of maybe one or a couple of their concerts in the UK that year, 2018. And then was at the Lucky Horseshoe Cafe when they unveiled a plaque of where Yes rehearsed before their first gig. So 
he's been very generous with his time with those yes related events and like we had him on our show last year um talking about his then upcoming box set and his career um like for him to come out and honor john wetton at this show it's very amazing he did he did a great job on the drums here I admit that selfishly, I would have loved for him to have performed on a Crimson song and a UK song. But, I mean, what can you do? Like, it's, I just appreciate how generous he was with his time here to at least perform on this song and just show up. And, like, this is the biggest surprise of that tribute concert. Like, nobody, or almost nobody, expected Bill Bruford to show up. Um, so after that, we get Ride Easy. You know, we get into the uh, Asia stuff, Ride Easy, Voice of America. Um, and then we get, um, sorry. Okay, so for the Asia set, um, all right, sorry, I'm just all mixed up. So for those Asia songs, it was the Paul Green Rock Academy. But then we get, I, I don't know if, I guess this is like a one-off Asia lineup, or I don't know if they were calling themselves Asia or if they were just, like, this is an Asia set. But we get Jay Shellen on drums, Billy Sherwood on bass, John Mitchell on guitar, Jeff Downs on keyboards, and Harry Whitley on vocals and I think uh, additional keyboards from what I remember. He definitely played keyboards at some of this event. Um, and Harry Whitley, like Harry's music musings, you might know on social media. We've talked about his amazing covers on the show before. Um, he, he did John Wetton's voice so well uh, on these. So, um, yeah, I don't know if this is just a one-off lineup, like, but I do remember um, that guitarist who was previously announced for Asia when um, they were going to do their 40th anniversary tour, but then like certain things happened and they had to delay it. But uh, Mark Bonilla, that was his name. Uh, so I don't know, maybe it was a traveling thing or maybe, I don't know, but who knows. But uh, in any case, this lineup was pretty good. And I guess he could call it the first Asia performance since the 2019 Royal Affair Tour, um, as I'm, like, showcasing on my shirt. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they performed two Icon songs. You know, that was a Downs and Wetton collaboration. They played In the End, uh, which featured Annie Haslam uh, was at, on that song at this concert. She did such an amazing job. Then they did Rubicon. And then they did, uh, again, this one-off lineup, Only Time Will Tell, My Own Time, An Extraordinary Life, Soul Survivor. And then Dylan Wetton came on stage and said some nice things, um, you know, honoring his dad. And then we get uh, Jacko Jackson, Mel Collins, and David Cross, um, a performance of Starless, you know, another King Crimson song. And then, uh, of course, they had to end with this song because 
you know, how can they not heat of the moment, the perhaps most popular song to feature John Wetton. So overall, this was an amazing concert. Well, you know, all the people who were there, all the songs that they showcased. I, I guess one could maybe say that they would have preferred certain songs performed in a different order, but overall, I'm happy with the songs that were performed. Um, I'm sure you could have dug up some other songs from Wetton's career. Uh, he's done so much great stuff, uh, but, you know, even with just within these six hours, you know, it wasn't six hours of music because, again, there's, like, um, preparation in between and beforehand, but, uh, you know, just with the time they were given, they really were able to showcase the breadth of John Wetton's career and, you know, helping out a charity and... I was very satisfied with how this all went down. And again, like props to Trading Boundaries for getting all this together and to everyone involved, you know, the people who've been in Wishbone Ash, Family, King Crimson, UK, uh, Asia, yes, uh, and Annie Haslam, of course, uh, of Renaissance. You know, it's like people were very, very happy with this concert uh the way that it um you know even in the stream and of course for people who were in attendance like it was such a huge momentous thing in the making and again john wetton and his contributions to music will not be forgotten he as he had an extraordinary life it's really amazing how that one song from 15 years ago when Asia reunited has sort of become synonymous with like all these things celebrating John Wetton's life. I really like that it came to that. So yeah, what were your thoughts on the concert? If you watched it or if you attended, um, I'm sure the Bill Bruford thing was like still a surprise to people. Like people are still reeling from it. But yeah, that's uh, the news desk edition of Yes Shift for today. Uh, we are currently scheduled to have Kevin Godley uh, on our show on Wednesday the 9th at noon Pacific. Uh, so that's 8 p.m. UK time. And we might have someone on the 16th at that same time. Uh, or actually, no. It might be an hour earlier, so 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. UK time. On Wednesday the 16th, we might have someone on. Um, I th I'm sure we've... Actually, I don't know right now. Like, I'm trying to remember if we got it confirmed or not. Like That was the time that was being kicked around. So um, if it's happening, we'll post about it. But what I do know for sure is on the 19th, we're also having... Ted Stockwell and Kevin Curry from the original lineup of White, you know, Alan White's band. So that'll also be on noon on that day, Saturday the 19th. So yeah, just easiest thing to do would be follow Yes Shift on Facebook and we'll post about our upcoming stuff. You can also follow us on YouTube at Yes Shift. Uh, you can find the audio on anchor.fm slash yesshift. There's also a support button. And email us at yesshift 
podcast at gmail.com with any feedback, suggestions, and we might reply, we might read a little on the show depending on time. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. So keep up with us. Thanks for tuning in. And <laughs> I almost tuned out with the slogan I say at the end of this other podcast I do. Uh, but um, yeah, so I'll catch you all in the yes world and beyond.